Russia hits back hard, multiple missile strikes against Ukraine's capital city, Kiev. Will Biden's handlers use it as a pretext for us to go to war with Russia? We're all over it on this special edition of the Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 256 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Monday, October 10th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention, and August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that shall live in infamy. So this really different kind of talk show we're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, as I was preparing to record this new episode of the Doc Washburn Show in the middle of the night, Sunday night, Monday morning, reports started coming in that Russia had launched missiles into the center of the capital city of Ukraine, Kiev. Now, that really should not have been a shock because Ukraine just attacked and disabled the big civilian bridge, big beautiful, modern bridge connecting Russia with Crimea recently. So it was not on my bingo card for this episode of the Doc Washburn Show, but it certainly should have been. Now, I'm going to play for you exactly what it sounded like when a BBC reporter was live on television reporting from Kiev, Ukraine, when the missiles started coming in. But first of all, does anyone remember what Congressman Ron Paul said about his concerns that we might get dragged into a war between Ukraine and Russia all the way back to 2014, eight years ago, when something like this. I speak uh, uh, more from the perspective of the United States taxpayers, and it doesn't serve our interests. We've already spent $5 billion over the last 10 years trying to pick and choose the leadership of Ukraine. And then we participated in the overthrow of the uh, Yanukovych government. And this is when this recent stuff really stirred up. But we've been involved too much, and I take a non-interventionist foreign policy position. It's not our business. 
business. It doesn't serve anybody's interest. It's part of the same thing that led us into the disaster in the Middle East. A lot of people die. A lot of money is spent. And we're still suffering the consequences of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. And there's the threat of the war in Syria. We don't need another threat. The American taxpayers don't want it. And they, our government thinks they can get away with, well, I know the people don't want a war yet, but we're going to play games and we're going to threaten Russia and we're going to put on sanctions. And they fail to recognize that we have $500 billion of investments in Russia. Russia has $450 billion invested in the West. And all we're doing is trying to stir up more trouble. It makes no sense whatsoever. So, so it makes a lot of sense for us to mind our own business and let somebody over there solve their own problems. So yeah, it does. Oh, it surely does. By the way, um, did you realize that we have had special operations guys on the ground in Ukraine for months? Did you know that? You should. I recently found out about it. I, I got more on that coming up. Got more on that coming up here in just a few. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on that we should know about that we don't know about. All right, BBC reporter live on the air. And this would have been around 6 a.m. British time, about midnight central time, uh, 1 a.m. Eastern time, U.S. I'm not sure what time it would have been over in Ukraine. It's got to be couple hours later than it is in the UK. But uh, here's what happened. Here's what it sounded like. So the fear is that this could trigger a very strong Russian response. We saw yesterday uh, that a residential area of the city of Zaporizhia, a major city in the south of the country, very close to the front lines, uh, was hit. Uh, more than a dozen. So... Okay, Hugo Bashega there, our correspondent in uh, Kyiv, obviously for obvious reasons taking cover at that point. But just talking us through the, the latest on uh, the situation with regards to Ukraine and Russia following uh, the explosion on the bridge that connects to Crimea. Of course, we shall reconnect with Hugo and our team there as soon as we can. Just got real, y'all. Just got real. This is nothing to trifle with. Nothing to trifle with. We need to keep this sort of thing as far away from us as possible. But we've already lost American citizens in the Donbass region of Ukraine. Did you know that? I don't know if anybody else talking about it, but I'll tell you. CNN, Jennifer Hansler, back on Saturday, July 23rd of this year, two Americans killed in Ukraine's Donbass region. Now, that's the conflicted region of Ukraine over the far east of Ukraine, you know, one of the four regions that uh, Russia recently announced, hey, we're annexing, you know, that. What, uh, 
Or what were I guys doing over there? Two American citizens recently died in the Donbass region of Ukraine. The State Department confirmed Saturday, July 23rd, 2022, in a statement to CNN on Saturday. A State Department spokesperson did not provide any details. about the individuals or the circumstance of their deaths, but said they are, quote, in touch with the families and providing all possible consular assistance. Oh, I see. Spokesperson said, out of respect to the families during this difficult time, we have nothing further to add. Asked about the condition of Alexander Druk, and Andy Hunya, two Americans captured by Russian forces while fighting in Ukraine, the spokesperson only said they have been in contact with the Ukrainian and Russian authorities regarding U.S. citizens who may have been captured by Russia's forces or proxies while fighting in Ukraine. We call on Russia to live up to its international obligations to treat all individuals captured fighting with Ukraine's armed forces as prisoners of war. I mean... Why would uh, American citizens be fighting with uh, with Ukraine forces? Anybody? I mean, uh, Colonel Alexander Zindman, he didn't go back to Ukraine, did he? Remember him? The guy that... Uh, Ukraine asked, please come be our Secretary of Defense three different occasions, but no, he wanted to stay over here so he could help try to take Trump out. You remember that guy? Please call me Colonel. He was on Twitter after they blew up that bridge going from Russia to Crimea. He said, oh, I've been dreaming for this day. And people are like, oh, great. So you're trying to escalate the war. And he's like, what do you mean by that? How stupid are these people? The so-called Donetsk People's Republic is a Russian-backed, self-declared republic that has governed a breakaway portion of Ukraine's Donetsk region since 2014. CNN says the State Department spokesperson noted that generally the U.S. government communicates with the International Committee of the Red Cross Central Tracing Area, Central Tracing Agency, pardon me, about missing persons. However, we do not speak publicly about specific cases. Spokesperson added they have no further details to share at this time. Well, I'll bet. I'll bet they don't. So, recently, the comedian, Vladimir Zelensky, president of Ukraine, but his real stock and trade is being a comedian. He used to get on TV over there and do goofy things and tell jokes. Recently, very recently, he gave an interview with a veteran BBC reporter. And it went something like this. Mr. President, the Russians are accusing you of saying that you want the West 
to start preemptive, perhaps nuclear strikes on Russia. Do you? Is that what you've been saying? They begin to prepare their society. That is very dangerous. They are not ready to do it, to use it, but they begin to communicate. What do you mean to prepare society for using a nuclear weapon? It's, it's, you know, it's, they don't know if they will use or they will not use. I think that it's dangerous even to speak about it. That I said, you have to do preventive kicks, not attacks. We are not terrorists. And we don't fight on another territory. Even our attitude from our society, attitude to Russians after this invasion, after all these eight years war, eight years blood tragedy, even after this attitude us to them, to society, we are not ready to kill people like it, like Russians do it. For some reason, at this point, Zelensky decided to switch from speaking English to speaking Ukrainian. So, since odds are, unless you're listening in Ukraine, you probably haven't brushed up on your understanding of the Ukrainian language lately, well, I wrote down, the closed caption, English, so I can share it with you. No, free of charge. We pass the savings on to you. At this point, he says, I would like to say that it is necessary to act, and I will return to preemptive sanctions again. It is necessary to act now. There's no thinking about the risks that will arise later. Really? Why not? He says, I agree that this is Armageddon. It's a risk for the whole planet. But still, why do we have to think about whether it will happen or not if Russia has made this step? Well, maybe because it matters to us, even if it doesn't matter to you, you knucklehead. You believe this guy. He says, Russia captured our nuclear power station. The world can stop and it can do this urgently, the action by the Russian occupiers, the world can make an appeal and it can implement a sanctions package in such cases and do all it can to make them leave this nuclear power station. In other words, they're making use of these risks. They exist already. I'll tell you what, pal. I'll tell you what. I got a better idea. Why don't you revisit... This whole idea that you had back in April of signing a peace deal with Russia. I know, I know, Biden's goons sent Boris Johnson over there to say, no way, the only way out of this is to humiliate and defeat Putin. Yeah, well, good luck on that. How about some of us don't want a nuclear war and don't think you're worth it? You and your wife on the cover of Vogue magazine. How about we're getting sick and tired of our leaders using your country to launder money and become multimillionaires, perhaps even billionaires, and it's not worth a nuclear war to us, to us. The nerve of this guy saying, well, who cares what happens? Yeah, Armageddon could be, but hey, 
Who cares? What, what, what's some nukes flying through the air among friends? Nuts. The BBC interviewer doesn't seem to think so, though. Here's his next question. Do you think that President Putin is capable of launching nuclear weapons and using them? See, that's not the question I would have asked. I would have asked the guy, what's wrong with you? Anyway, Zelensky's answer, he says, if I say, for instance, that they are incapable of using nuclear weapons, then someone who is not sensible and holds this power can to be contrary and show everyone, I can't, but look, I can, and use them. If I say that he can, if I say that he can use them, then this can cause panic in many countries, including Ukraine. All that Putin is afraid of, and it's not even a nuclear strike, he's afraid of his own community, his people, because only these people can remove him now, take power away from him, and hand it to someone else, and so on. All right? Next question from the BBC interviewer. Do you think they should stand up against him? Well, this guy is in the tank, isn't he? There's going to be no pushback from this guy to Zelensky. Do you think they should stand up against him? Okay. Zelensky's answer, they, the people, the first thing they should fight for is themselves and speak their minds, take to the streets, write it, say it without being afraid, fight for themselves. He says these children are being mobilized now without anything. Without machine guns or flak jackets, they're being deployed as meat. They're meat. They're not people. If they want to get barbecued, then fine, let them come. But if they are people, after all, if they think it's about their own lives, then they need to fight. Not for Ukraine. We can fight for ourselves. Fight for your own bodies, for your freedom, for your rights, for your souls. Yeah, so the BBC guy is just there to kind of rubber stamp everything. No pushback. Here's his last question for Zelensky. If you do win, will Vladimir Putin survive? And may I please kiss the ring on the way out of your office? If you do win, will Vladimir Putin survive? And Zelensky, of course, answers, I don't care. Man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So let's take a look at the coverage. We were, we've been playing some BBC audio for you. So let's see what the BBC is saying. A number of people were killed and injured in the strikes on Kyiv this morning, Ukrainian emergency services say. It's not clear exactly how many people have died or been hurt, but we will bring you more details as they have it. Update. Prominent journalist Andrei Sapolienko said at least one civilian was killed in the attack. Kyiv Mayor Vitaly Kitschiko said explosions hit Shevchensky district in the city center. Paul Abrams, BBC reporting in from Kiev. More explosions have been heard just now in Kiev. 
Reports of explosions have been coming in from all across the country. Media restrictions mean we are not yet able to reveal the sites of the first impacts in Kiev, but video of one of them about a mile from our hotel shows burning cars and debris, but no obviously substantial damage to surrounding buildings. This appears to be the most widespread set of Russian attacks since the early weeks of the war. Now, let's think about something here. Media restrictions. I don't know if you realize that months ago, Ukrainian President Zelensky shut down all opposition media and outlawed all opposition political parties. Did you realize that? Did you know that? Has anyone told you that? But our government says, oh, no, he's like a George Washington or a Thomas Jefferson, and this is a fight for democracy, a fight for freedom. You buy that? I mean, I've seen video of some of these Ukrainian divisions with Russian POWs, and they haul them out of... uh, these armored personnel carriers, and shoot these POWs in the kneecaps. So is Putin a monster? Yeah. But why does that mean Zelensky's a good guy? They can't both be monsters? Come on, man. Update from BBC. This morning's rare blasts in the capital of Kiev follow further strikes overnight in the southern city of Zaporizhia and in the Dnipropetrovsk region. Well, it's a tough one. Zaporizhia Regional Governor Alexander Staruk on the Telegram messaging app at around 1 a.m. British time said a multi-story residential building was destroyed. Again, there are victims. Emergency services attended the scene. Zaporizhia has been hit repeatedly in recent weeks with dozens of people killed. Meanwhile, it was a night of massive attacks in... I wonder how you pronounce this. I just... I can't... I know what I can do. I hate going on the air and not knowing how to pronounce something. But when you see a word that you have never before seen in your life, you need to find out how to pronounce it instead of being like some people on local TV and just guess. No, no. I live in Little Rock, Arkansas, and Saturday night, one of our local TV news operations, she mentioned how the Crimean Bridge had been hit. No, it's Crimea, you know, Crimean Bridge. Anyway, how do we pronounce this, uh, the name of this, is it a region or a city? Let's see. Yeah, it's a region. How do you pronounce the name of this region? Let's find out. Okay, pronounce it for me. Oh, I'm supposed to just guess. 
Dnieprpetrovsk. Dnieprpetrovsk. Okay, that region. Yeah, yeah, we all know where it is, certainly. Anyway, pardon me. So Ukraine's defense minister said the country's courage will never be destroyed by terrorist missiles, even when they hit the heart of our capital. Was Was it a terrorist attack to take out the civilian bridge, Crimea? I don't have a dog in this fight. I, I want us to walk away from it. Okay, according to the latest update from the UK's Ministry of Defense, this morning strikes reported across Ukraine come amid pressure on Russian forces in the northeastern and southern regions. Moscow has been giving high priority to its operations near the eastern town of Bakhmut. The UK adds, saying the Kremlin's troops have advanced a little over a mile toward the town on two axes over the past week. Well, that's neither here nor there. Mikhailo Podolyak, an advisor to President Volodymyr Zelensky, says deliberate attacks on the center of Kiev, as well as strikes on Zaporizhia in the south and Dnipro in central Ukraine are more proof of the Kremlin's terrorist inadequacy. Really? He says, Russia is not capable of fighting on battlefield, but capable of murdering civilians. Instead of talking, we need air defense, MLRS, long-range projectiles. How many billion have we sent you? How come you haven't bought these things? I know, I know. You're laundering it back to Biden and whoever. Got it. Okay. Now, we have another... We have another pronunciation situation here. This is a relatively big city over there. Let's see if we can figure out how to pronounce this one. And Lviv, Lviv is how you say it correctly. Lviv? I never would have guessed that. L-V-I-V. Lviv. All right, BBC says, becoming clear this morning, Russia appears to attack cities around Ukraine as well as its capital, Kiev. <clears throat> so they're now reporting Lviv in the west of Ukraine. The regional governor of Lviv confirmed on Telegram that the city near the border with Poland was hit this morning. Andrei Sadovi warned residents of the city to stay in bomb shelters and that schooling will be done online an hour after the, well, yeah, we don't need that. We don't have anybody in school over there. Zelensky says Russian strikes have targeted energy infrastructure throughout the country. Energy facilities in Kiev, Lviv, Dnipro, Vinitsia, Zaporizhia, Kharkiv, and other regions have been hit. Zelensky says in a Telegram post, he says, they want panic and chaos. They want to destroy our energy system. They are hopeless. He adds the second target is people. He said such a time and such targets were specially chosen to cause as much damage as possible while calling for people to stay in bomb shelters. However, the Ukrainian leader makes a point of filming himself out on the street in Kiev, something we also saw him do in the early days of the war. Oh, my goodness. 
Let's see. So we also have, um, okay, got an update here from the BBC. Reports are coming in of multiple explosions in the Ukrainian capital, Kiev. The apparent strike of the city comes two days after the only bridge linking Russia with occupied Crimea was damaged in a blast. Yesterday, President Vladimir Putin blamed Ukrainian intelligence services for what he called an attack of terrorism. He is due to chair a meeting of his Security Council today to discuss the explosion. Ukrainian officials say a number of people have been wounded in further missile attacks on Zaporizhia overnight. The ongoing shelling of the city in southern Ukraine has killed dozens of civilians in recent days amid an ongoing push from Ukraine recapturing land in the south and east controlled by Russia. Okay, um, i got more coming up about American special ops forces on the ground in Ukraine, and we will also have American reporting on what is going on from places as diverse as Fox News, CNN, CNBC, Wall Street Journal. Going back to my old talk radio days, when breaking news happens, everything changes. And that's what we focus on. So, um, in the meantime, I just want to express how thankful we are for our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do what we do here week in and week out as we get closer to our first anniversary coming up on October 12th. We can't thank these folks enough. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema. 
problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thanks so much again to our advertisers, our friends, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. Not only are they our advertisers, they are our doctors, they are our friends. They've helped me and my wife and so many people that we know so much. If you're listening outside Central Arkansas, I hope you can find someone near you that can adjust your atlas. Also, a big thank you to Mitch Ward, proprietor of RedRiverYourWay.com. We really appreciate you helping us be able to do what we do week in and week out here. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's get an update here. Let's get some more updates. Yeah, we got some, we got some American updates, American press coming up first. Uh, while we're with the Brits, UK daily mail, um, Zelensky, says Russia is trying to wipe Ukraine off the face of the earth as missiles hit multiple cities, causing carnage across the country as Putin takes revenge for the Crimea bridge blast. Now, you remember I had this uh, interview on a little bit earlier with Zelensky saying, well, why should we worry about what will happen? Right? Why should we worry about the ramifications? Right? Well, maybe because now your people are getting killed. Could 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 that be a reason? This guy, man. This guy. Chris Pleasance and Dan Sales over UK Daily Mail say Russian missiles rained down across Ukraine today as Vladimir and Putin took revenge for the attack on the Kerch Bridge, the bridge between Russia and Crimea. 
Kiev was hit by at least two rockets, leaving multiple people dead and wounded, according to Ukrainian officials. Air raid sirens sounded in almost every major city, including Zaporizhia, Dnipro, Odessa, and far western Lviv. Putin is meeting with Security Council today to plot further revenge after blaming the bridge strike on Ukraine. So, see, here, here's one of the problems. Um, this Zelensky guy doesn't care if missiles start dropping on our country. He's fine with that. That's not a problem. It's a problem for me. I think it's a problem for you. Know what I'm saying, Holmes? Regardless of where you are. I think we all have a problem with missiles raining down on our country from on high. Oh, man. I'm looking at some of the pictures from Kiev, Ukraine, and cars on fire and buildings demolished, and it's uh, it's bad. It's bad. Oh, they have uh, pictures of a couple of people who were killed in an explosion a couple of days ago, which partially destroyed the bridge connecting occupied Crimea to uh, Russia. They have names, by the way. 53-year-old Edward Chuchikin and his wife, 33-year-old Zoya Sofronova, well-known tourist guides and documentary makers in St. Petersburg, Russia, died on the spot in the bridge blast. They had been traveling in their Cadillac en route to film in Crimea. Their car plunged into the waters of the Kerch Strait when several sections of the bridge collapsed. The vehicle was close to a truck, which was reported to have contained a huge quantity of explosives. I wonder if the truck driver knew about the explosives. Uh, is your everyday average garden variety Russian special ops guy going to say, hey, can I be a suicide bomber, please? Can I, uh, can I volunteer? The pair were history graduates of Putin's alma mater, St. Petersburg State University. He was a specialist in the czarist architecture of St. Petersburg, and she had been a journalist. They led tourist expeditions in the city on notorious holy monk Grigory Rasputin. Ooh, Rasputin. Boy, there's a blast from the past. A report stated Zoya and Edward were traveling with their Moscow friend to shoot a sequel to a documentary about the Romanov family, the Russian royals, the Tsar and his family. They were to film at the former Tsar's summer retreat, Levadia Palace. The driver of the truck, 52-year-old Makir Yusubov, was also believed to have been killed in the blast. I would say it's safe to... Assume that, yes, the driver of the truck was killed in the blast also. But did he know about it? See, suicide bombing, that's the kind of stuff those jihad guys do, right? 
And I don't really think the jihadists have a dog in this fight. I, I mean, it's not like Zelensky or Putin is either one, uh, you know, claiming allegiance to Muhammad, peace be not upon him, or Allah. So how do you talk a 52-year-old guy to drive a truck full of explosives over a bridge and blow it up and blow him up? Anybody ask Zelensky about that? No, the BBC guy isn't going to. The BBC guy may as well have called Zelensky your worshipful master or something like that. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, it is. So that's UK Daily Mail. Um, Let's grab Wall Street Journal. Russia unleashes biggest missile barrage across Ukraine in months. Ian Lovett and Mauro Oru have this at um, 3.32 a.m. Eastern Time. Dateline, Kiev, Ukraine. Russia bombarded Ukraine with a series of strikes on cities across the country, including, for the first time in months, the capital after President Vladimir Putin accused Ukraine of a terrorist attack on a critical bridge connecting Russia's mainland to the occupied Crimean Peninsula. Blasts were also heard in Dnipro, Zaporizhia, and the western city of Lviv, which has remained relatively insulated from the war raging in the east. The strikes in Kiev were the most central to hit the capital since Russia invaded eastern Ukraine back in February. The blast struck around rush hour Monday morning as people were on their way to work and on their way to school. At the scene of one explosion, at an intersection near Kiev's Shevchenko Park, a body lay in the street near the mangled remains of several vehicles. It wasn't clear which munitions were used in the strike, which produced a plume of smoke. Another strike in Kiev hit an office block near an electrical power station. Further blasts were heard, but it wasn't immediately clear what had been hit. Kiev Mayor Vitaly Kichko said rockets had struck targets in the city center, appealing to residents of outlying districts to stay away. Emergency services were at the scene, and security forces have closed off Streets in the center, Mr. Kitschko said the capital is under attack from Russian terrorists. Air defense systems have helped keep Kiev relatively secure in recent months, even as missiles landed in other cities. Many residents who had fled in the early days of the invasion had returned to the capital city after Russian forces pulled back in March. Russian rockets pounded the southeastern Ukrainian city of Zaporizhia, for the third time less than a week early Monday, just a day after separate strikes in the city killed at least 14 people and injured more than 70. Alexander Staruk, governor of the Zaporizhia region, wrote on Telegram, the latest strikes in the center of the city destroyed a multi-story residential building, killing one, wounding five. There could be people under the rubble, he said. 
Vladimir Rogov, the Kremlin-installed leader of the partially occupied region of Zaporizhia, said the strikes in the city early Monday had targeted military and civilian infrastructure used by Ukrainian forces. Zaporizhia, which is about 30 miles from the front lines, has become a constant target of Russian shelling in recent days. Kiev controls the city, but Russian forces hold most of the region's territory. In his first public comments on the Crimea Bridge blast, Vladimir Putin blamed Ukraine, calling it a terrorist attack aimed at civilian infrastructure. Sunday, Putin said in a televised recording of a meeting with his top federal investigative official, quote, it's plotters, perpetrators, and masterminds are the Ukrainian security services, unquote. Former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev said the Ukrainian state was directly responsible for the attack and the Russia's response can only be the direct destruction of terrorists. Kiev didn't claim responsibility for the attack, though senior Ukrainian officials widely celebrated it on social media. These people aren't too bright, are they? In his late Sunday address to the nation, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky called Russia's pounding of Zaporizhia and other cities a terrorist attack. Zelensky said, Terrorism is a crime that must be punished. Terrorism at the state level is one of the most heinous international crimes, which threatens not just someone in the world, but the entire international community. Yeah, it does, but then again, You're saying we can't have peace kind of threatens all this too, doesn't it? I mean, I think it does. You're backing out of the peace agreement in April that you and Putin were ready to sign. And then, oh no, Biden's handlers send their, uh, their lapdog, Boris Johnson, over to say, no, no, no. Can't have peace. They say, no, no, no. Putin must be humiliated, must be defeated and humiliated. Can't have peace. Oh, really? Oh, so it's like that. See, I'm old enough to remember a few months ago, reporters asking Joe Biden, you know, Dementia Joe, that Joe Biden? Asking Joe Biden how long Americans are going to have to put up with high gas prices. And he said, until we can defeat Putin in Ukraine until we got to have high gas prices until we get Putin out of Ukraine. Now, I don't know where you are, but gas prices started going back up in Arkansas. That's where I am. And I know that in California, they're paying twice the price that our Kansans are paying at the pump. Realize that? 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's outrageous. Okay, so the news website politicaltriangle.com, which is kind of like a uh, an international news website. They've got an update, Ukraine live updates. Kiev says Russia launched 75 missiles. Strikes leave people dead and wounded. Ukraine's presidency mentioned on Monday there have been strikes on many cities in Ukraine a day after Moscow blamed Kiev for an explosion on a bridge connecting Crimea to Russia. Kirillo Timoshenko, deputy head of the president's workplace, mentioned on social media, calling on the inhabitants to keep in shelters, said, quote, Ukraine is underneath missile assault. There are details about strikes in lots of cities of our nation, unquote. And Kiev says Russia launched 75 missiles on Ukraine Monday morning. You know, maybe they shouldn't have tried to blow up that bridge. The explosions hit Kiev around 8.15 native time which would have been about um, quarter after midnight central time in the U.S. An air, um, an agency, pardon me, a French press agency journalist within the metropolis noticed quite a few ambulances showing up to go in direction of the scene of the blasts. Kiev heard not less than five blasts on Monday morning, so I guess they're hitting all over the country. Yeah, it's uh, it's not looking good, and the real concern here for Americans is the escalation. The escalation. You got me? Because everything that we have been hearing from the Biden regime is we just got to keep ratcheting it up. We just got to keep ratcheting it up. That's everything we've been hearing from the Biden regime. And that's very troubling. Very troubling. So don't be surprised if the United States gets more deeply and openly involved in the war between Ukraine and Russia. Because the way this guy, the way this guy Biden and his handlers are acting is like, oh, no, no, no. No, we're not going to back down. They're wimps with everybody else. China says jump. They say, how high? Please let us know. We kiss the ring. Jump. Why didn't you tell us? We'd love to jump. Let's get started with the jumping right away. 
how high. But Putin, they're like, oh, no, 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 Putin. No, we got to humiliate him. Oh, really? And you think you're up to that? Yeah, I'm not so sure. Let me look what uh, Josh Ham- look at what Josh Hammer says over the the EpicTimes.com viewpoints. His op-ed is entitled "U.S. Needs to Change Course Right Now in Ukraine." He says we're now more than seven months removed from Vladimir Putin's regrettable incursion into eastern Ukraine and Crimea, but despite that elapsed time and all the various developments since then, the United States' formal position on the conflict has changed markedly little. That overly simplified and Manichean position, in short, is one of Ukrainian maximalism. Putin is evil, Vladimir Zelensky is noble, and here's the big logical leap. The United States will thus support the Ukrainian effort to retake every square inch of territory in Donbass and Crimea from its nuclear-armed adversary, Seemingly, no matter the cost to the U.S. taxpayer. Do you notice that? The former White House readout of Joe Biden's call with Zelensky on October 4th aptly summarizes the United States' position. Resident Joseph R. Biden Jr., because I'll never call him president, joined by Vice Resident Kamala Harris, spoke today with President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine to underscore that the United States will never recognize Russia's purported annexation of Ukrainian territory. Resident Biden pledged to continue supporting Ukraine as it defends itself from Russian aggression for as long as it takes. Translation, we will defend your war to retake every square inch of historically contested and ethnically mixed territory no matter what the people living there say they want, no matter the cost, and despite the fact that the fate of Zelensky's regime in Kiev is secure. At this stage in the war, virtually all of this pablum is asinine and counterproductive to the actual U.S. national interest in these contested areas. Our national interest in the Ukrainian theater isn't coterminous with Zelensky's absolutist stance. Our interest is for de-escalation, detente, and peace. But if we want to achieve those ends, especially as the threat of nuclear warfare is bursting out into the open, many in the West recklessly double down on calls for Ukraine's ascension to NATO, and the war-hungry Zelensky himself is calling for a NATO-led preemptive strike against Russia. Biden needs to recognize reality and change strategic course immediately. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Biden needs to recognize reality? I mean, Josh, it sounds like a great idea if you had a guy in the Oval Office who's not semi-comatose, but I'm not sure Biden would recognize his own face in a mirror. You know? Remember he's running for president and he confused his wife with his sister? All right, he continues because he means well. From day one of Russia's incursion, this column has argued that one— Ukraine, like Russia, is a deeply corrupt and oligarchic country, and Zelensky is a highly flawed leader. But two, despite his myriad flaws and status as a pawn of the Davos non-governmental organization globalist class, Zelensky remaining in power in Kiev is preferable 
to the obvious alternative of a Belarusian Alexander Lukashenko type Moscow puppet state. But Russia, with the exception of a few nearby flare-ups here and there, retreated from Kiev and its surrounding areas all the way back in May. Put another way, it's clear beyond any reasonable doubt at this point that Zelensky isn't going anywhere. He and his government are here to stay. The fate of Kiev is secure. Well, not if they keep on lobbing missiles in, but again, he wrote this before they started doing that. He continues, at this juncture, the fighting, and in Russia's case, the recent likely sham annexations, is taking place in four far eastern sub-regions of Ukraine and, to a lesser extent, Crimea. Those are the disputed lands that the Biden administration and liberal Western democracy types, more broadly, have deemed to be so existentially important to Ukraine and the integrity of the West that reconquering them is worth seemingly any military, economic, and humanitarian cost, up to and very much including the harrowing specter of open nuclear warfare between NATO and Russia. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Even worse, when it comes to the disputed lands themselves, reputable Gallup polling from 2014, the year Putin first marched into Crimea, showed that 74% of Crimeans thought becoming a part of Russia would improve their lives and their families' lives. Only about 5.5% disagreed. As for the various enclaves of the Donbass region, such as Luhansk and Donetsk, they're very much divided between ethnic Ukrainians and ethnic Russians. Luhansk, for instance, has a nearly even 50-50 demographic split. Let's be as clear as possible. The median American citizen doesn't and shouldn't care whether an ethnically divided, strategically unimportant, historically contested Slavic subregion or two in eastern Ukraine ultimately takes orders from Kiev or Moscow. Elon Musk, in a much-criticized tweet earlier last week, had the right idea. He argued Ukraine-Russia peace can best be achieved by redoing elections of annexed regions such as Luhansk and Donetsk under UN supervision, and Russia leaves if that is the will of the people. Crimea, formerly part of Russia, as it has been since 1783 until Khrushchev's mistake, Water supply to Crimea assured, and Ukraine remains neutral between Russia and NATO. Now, one can certainly quibble with Elon Musk's details. The United Nations, for instance, can't be a trusted neutral arbiter or supervisor much of anything. But this is certainly the right idea for what the United States, and by extension the West, should be doing and should be aiming toward. The Biden administration, if it had any common sense, would use any and all leverage to get Zelensky and Putin to the negotiating table as soon as possible, thus unequivocally taking the threat of nuclear catastrophe off the table and extricating the United States NATO from the harrowing prospect of something no Cold War president would have ever countenanced, open and direct military confrontation with the world's largest nuclear arsenal. That certainly would involve disavowing the possibility of NATO membership for Ukraine, that our present ruling class demonstrates no interest in common-sense de-escalation and instead demonstrates a seemingly interminable interest in escalation 
and Ukrainian territorial maximalism speaks volumes about how out of touch that ruling class is. If nothing else, hopefully the American people speak up and begin to rein in our sordid, war-hungry ruling class at the ballot box next month. And I hope so. That's Josh Hammer over at theepictimes.com. U.S. needs to change course right now in Ukraine. Man, I hope so. Because it's um, it's not looking good. CNBC says multiple large explosions at center of Ukraine's capital, Kiev, for first time in months. Yeah. So they got basically the same thing everybody else has. Let's see what else we have here. Just looking for, for more updates. Let's see, ABC News. Two new posts on ABC News. Let's see what they've got here. Russia, Ukraine, live updates. Kiev rocked by explosions, Mayor says. Yeah, more than six months after Russian President Vladimir Putin launched an invasion into neighboring Ukraine, two countries are engaged in a struggle for control of areas throughout eastern and southern Ukraine. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, whose forces began an offensive in August, has vowed to take back all Russian-occupied territory, but Putin in September announced a mobilization of reservists, which is expected to call up as many as 300,000 additional troops. Okay, so just about a half hour ago, U.S. Embassy in Kiev emailed Americans in Ukraine warning they should shelter in place. The email said the U.S. Embassy urges U.S. citizens to shelter in place and depart Ukraine now using privately available ground transportation options when it is safe to do so. Yeah, because I was going to ask, how can you shelter in place and depart the country using ground transportation at the same time. I don't know. Again, from just a little over half hour ago, air raid sirens sounded across Ukraine Monday morning as a series of Russian missiles struck civilian targets in Kiev, Lviv, Kharkiv, and other cities. Russia launched 75 missiles toward Ukraine, According to Ukraine's commander-in-chief of the armed forces, uh, Valery Zalushny, 41 of those missiles were struck down by air defenses, Zalushny said. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. At least eight people died and 24 were injured in Kiev, according to officials. At least five missiles struck the capital at about 8 a.m. local time. Missiles hit the capital's central Shevchenkiv district with explosions near Parliament and other government buildings. Samsung's Ukraine headquarters, which is next to Kiev's main train station, was damaged. Photos showed smashed glass windows and what appeared to be significant damage to the Samsung building. Power's out in much of Lviv in western Ukraine, where several explosions were also reported. The mayor said critical infrastructure was damaged. At least six explosions were heard in Kharkiv, where the regional governor urged residents to shelter in place. That's ABC News updates. And I'm telling you, this stuff is real. 
you know, what, what's going on here is real, and we just hope and we pray for peace, right? We hope and we pray that it can come to an end. We don't need to be dragged into a major hot war with the biggest nuclear power in the, in the world, Russia. And they don't need to be dragged into one with us either. All right. I guess it's about time to say hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the United States. They believe in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. Okay. So. Today's tweet of the day is from Stephen Miller, senior advisor to President Trump. He says on Twitter, just so we're all clear, Joe Biden has effectively admitted that his policies are leading us toward global nuclear Armageddon. Seems like a really good reason to vote Republican in November. Brother, Brother Miller, I, I can't agree more. You're absolutely correct. Thank you so much, Mitch Ward and RedRiverYourWay.com for once again sponsoring the Tweet of the Day here on the Doc Washburn Show. You've been listening to Episode 256 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Monday, October 10th, 2022.